Hello and welcome to WISMED On Call, a podcast from the Wisconsin Medical Society that looks at some of the top issues affecting patients and the practice of medicine in Wisconsin. I'm your host, Peter Welch, the Vice President of Membership and Communications. The access and affordability of mental health care is a critical priority of the Wisconsin Medical Society. The complexity of the issue is especially pronounced when seen through a lens of workforce shortages. A 2018 study of the society showed that we would need over 200 more psychiatrists in the state to meet the clinical needs of our population. To address these challenges, entrepreneurial thinkers are working on ways to support physicians and other providers to better address mental health in their patients. Joining me today to discuss these issues is Dr. Christina Wickman, the medical director for the Periscope Project a free resource for healthcare providers caring for pregnant and postpartum women who are struggling with mental health or substance use disorders. Dr. Wickman is responsible for the project's clinical services. She's an associate professor of psychiatry, obstetrics, and gynecology, and the director of women's mental health at the Medical College of Wisconsin. Dr. Wickman, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me on. So tell me about the Periscope Project. What is it? Well, the Periscope Project is an overview of exactly what you said. So it's a free resource for any healthcare provider, a healthcare professional who is caring for a perinatal patient. So preconception, throughout pregnancy, and um, during that postpartum period, particularly when, when these women are breastfeeding. And specifically, this program addresses women who are struggling with mental health or substance use disorders. Unfortunately, we do not have a great education um, from both a psychiatric standpoint as well as our obstetricians and gynecologists in caring for um, and learning about psychiatric disorders that affect our pregnant moms. And so with that lack Mm -hmm. of education, unfortunately, these moms are kind of stuck in the middle um, and oftentimes don't get ideal treatment. You mentioned earlier um, about the shortage of psychiatrists in general across the state. That shortage is even more dire when you're looking at subspecialty psychiatrists, um, such as myself um, in perinatal or women's mental health um, psychiatry. So what the Periscope Project does is really provide support to our frontline providers who are caring for these women. The providers can access our service via a 1-800 number or via email and have um, access to real-time teleconsultation, provider education and toolkits on our website, as well as access to a community resource database of the available subspecialty resources, again, for perinatal patients struggling with these mental health or substance use disorders. So it's really three, threefold of what's included in the Periscope Project. So tell me a little bit more about some of those unique challenges that this population faces. Is there stigma surrounding this time of life for for new moms or or pregnant women? What are some of the unique challenges you're facing? Yeah, so absolutely, there's there's stigma for all all patients who are struggling with mental health disorders, and I think that's even more so with our pregnant and postpartum population. You know, really, what what the media and society says is that having a baby and bringing a baby into the world is supposed to be the happiest time of a woman's life. And unfortunately, that's not the case for a lot of women. And the 
prevalence of psychiatric disorders is the same in women, whether or not they're pregnant or, uh, or they're not pregnant, um, that those rates are the same regardless of their pregnancy status. And unfortunately, what we have even more concern about then is the fetus or a breastfeeding infant. And so from pharmacologic management of these women with use of antidepressants or sleep medications or anti-anxiety medications, providers are really hesitant to utilize these types of pharmacologic interventions because of fear and risk of what could happen to the, to the fetus or, or breastfeeding infant. So it even puts another barrier involved um, even if the woman is identified and, and um, we recognize that she's struggling, but another barrier for treatment then. So how does a typical frontline physician, that primary care uh, doctor now, without this, without this resource, how do they address these issues? With the typical primary care physician encountering somebody who's pregnant or nursing, uh, recently given birth, who's struggling with mental health, they don't know about the resources of the Periscope Project. How is that relationship typically handled? And what are the risks? What could be missed? Sure. And so, so what oftentimes was happening is that women were being referred to mental health providers. So if a woman was identified as struggling during her pregnancy or postpartum period, and that primary care provider or obstetrician didn't know what to do, oftentimes what they were doing was simply putting in a referral for mental health. However, um, what, the, what studies have shown us fairly consistently is that about 10% of women who are given a referral for a mental health provider in that perinatal period are actually making it to that appointment. So fairly wow. abysmal numbers, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, so it's not enough just to hand a patient a list of resources or to you know, put a referral into the electronic medical record and, and hope that that woman's going to follow up or hope that the, the triage coordinator on the other end is going to call because they may not, and they may not follow up, and, and more importantly, again, we have this mental health shortage, and there may simply not be providers who are, um, who are available to care for these women, and, and certainly not, if we're talking again about pharmacologic management, there may be providers who are willing to see them and care for them, but don't feel comfortable with managing psychiatric medications with pregnancy or nursing. So what are some of the challenges that the Periscope Project faces? Do you, do you have good results and are you able to get to all the corners where there are patients who need you or are there opportunities for you guys to grow and expand? There's absolutely opportunities for us to grow, to, grow and expand, <laughs> um, but, but I'll tell a little bit about what we've done so far. Um, and I'm Please. really proud of what we've done so far. Um, so we've been operational since July of 2017, um, so just under two years at this point. In that time, we've enrolled about uh, just over 600 providers. So again, physicians, nurse practitioners, physicians assistants, nurses, lactation consultants, social workers, really any healthcare provider or healthcare professional that can touch a, a woman's life. We recognize that a lot of women weren't just telling their obstetrician about the struggles they may be having. They may feel more comfortable telling their lactation consultant or their social worker or their home visitor. So we really made our service really open access to any healthcare provider, healthcare professional who, who could come in contact with a perinatal patient who was struggling. So again, about 600 enrolled providers. And in that time, um, we've had 
just over 800 encounters. So 800 times wow. the phone has either rang or the email has gone off um, in the last, again, less than two years. So we've been really impressed um, with the utilization mm-hmm. that we've had thus far. We launched in Milwaukee or the greater Milwaukee area. And so really we've had the most utilization in that area. But in the last year, we've worked really hard um, to expand throughout the state. And we're proud to say that at this point, we've had utilization in all five of the public health regions across the state. Um, and in fact, yesterday alone, phones are ringing off the hook in, in the nine calls we had yesterday, we reached all five of those public health regions just in one day, oh, which wow. is fantastic, obviously. So yeah, we've had great uptake, great utilization. Well, congratulations on, on that success. Clearly, it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful effort here. And, and tell me a little bit about what you think about this model in general. We know that here in the state, we have the CPCP, the uh, Child Psychiatric Consultation Program, this program. Do you think this is a model that is sustainable to empower those clinical caregivers with the expertise they needed? Or is, do we still need more, you know, more psychiatric uh, providers? What do you think about the future of healthcare delivery? Yeah, I I think that this is a great model to be able, if nothing else, to bridge to care. And we're hearing that consistently from the physicians and providers that are utilizing our service, that they feel that they have a much better engagement with their patients because they're sending them out with a plan. Um, So Mm. the way that our program works is, we get back to the patient or to the provider, excuse me, on average in about six to eight minutes. So when we get a phone call and the page goes out to this covering psychiatrist, that covering psychiatrist on average is getting back to that that physician or healthcare provider within six to eight minutes. So our providers know that that's such a quick turnaround that they keep the they keep the patient in the office then and have a plan of care in place before that patient start, or leaves, the, leaves the clinic setting then. So maybe they're starting a medication, and maybe they've been given them a referral for a specific perinatal therapist or social worker, a peer support group, um, but, but they feel that they're getting better engagement from their patients because there's a plan in place before they leave the clinic setting. Um, so that's one one way that we've thought about these kinds of teleconsultation programs is that we're bridging that patient to a mental health appointment. I, I don't think that these kinds of programs will ever replace mental health care, and that's certainly not the goal. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that we will always need more subspecialty psychiatrists and psychologists and therapists, absolutely. But I think that this is a way to um, empower our primary care providers, our obstetricians, our gynecologists in at least starting first-line management of primarily depression and anxiety treatment for these patients who then can get on the right path to recovery much sooner. Yeah, you, you can't really talk just about access to care without talking about cost of care, too. So this mm-hmm. service, is this something? Who pays for this service? So right now we are funded by United Health Foundation, as well as the state of Wisconsin through the Title V Maternal Child Block Grant. Um, however, that funding only goes through 2019, um, so the end of this calendar year. So we're actively looking for sustainable funding to be able to continue this service. Um, of the providers who are utilizing us, um, 100%, so we've, we've done, we send out 
a satisfaction survey to all of our providers who utilize our service. And we've had 100% satisfaction for everybody who's utilized us, which is, again, wow. phenomenal results. <laughs> um, the other thing that I'm really proud of with, that, with those numbers is that about 70% of the physicians and providers who use us are actually taking that survey, which, again, a, a busy oh. healthcare physician, a healthcare provider, a lot of times they're not taking surveys. They are for us, which is great. Um, and they want us to continue, but we're trying to figure out how to keep these ty this type of program sustainable. Um, the child psychiatry consultation program that you mentioned is supported by a line item on the state budget. Um, we're, we're looking to see if that may be something that we could do as well. We're also looking for philanthropic support um, or other healthcare systems, if healthcare systems themselves want to continue to support our program, um, given the benefits that we've had both to their physicians and providers, and then obviously as well as to their patients. That's wonderful to hear that there's there's support out there from from granting organizations, and that you're you're pursuing continuation uh, of of other funding sources. The same study that I cited earlier that we completed uh, with the University of Wisconsin La Follette School in 2018 pointed to some really interesting numbers about the economic benefits of, of investing in mental health care, that even a minor investment in access to mental health care can have huge impact for the workforce, for the tax base of a community, getting people off that uh, the unemployment bench and into sustainable careers, you know, for a relatively modest healthcare investment. And and I bring this up because I'm wondering about what are the what are the benefits that are seen in the health of the mother, the health of the child, for when when they do have access to these sort of mental health um, resources. What sort of demonstrable benefits are there? I'm sure there are many. <laughs> sure, absolutely. And and while I can't speak to exactly what the Periscope project is demonstrating, you no, know, because globally what we see is that if 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 a mom is doing well from both a physical and emotional standpoint, that, that child is also going to go well. Really the adage of, of healthy moms and healthy babies. Um, moms are going to, um, again, have a, a higher return to work rate. They're more likely to um, have longer periods of breastfeeding, which have phenomenal health benefits than to baby as well. Um, children are less likely to have long, longer term psychiatric, childhood psychiatric disorders if their mom is not struggling with their own mental health issues. Um, so it, it can go on and on. Um, one of the things that I cite pretty consistently um, that a lot of people don't recognize is that the number one risk period for a woman to be psychiatrically hospitalized as compared to any other point in her life is that first year post-delivery. And so we can get women treated sooner, identified you know, early preconception or during their pregnancy if they're struggling so that we can decrease the risk of postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety and then impact psychiatric hospitalizations, suicide attempts, return to substance use, all of those things. Um, I think we have a, a potential for doing really well in, in, in impacting all of those criteria for, for our moms. So obviously the Medical Society here in Wisconsin represents all of the 20,000 plus physicians um, in the state. What would you tell them? How can they get more involved? What message would you want to deliver to our members? 
first and foremost is that we need to make sure that we're doing a good job of screening. Um, and the, the, the minimum recommendation for screening our pregnant and postpartum moms is only once. And I think that's actually not that great of a, of a job for screening given how long <laughs> pregnancy is. Um, and so I, I advocate for screening at least three times during pregnancy and postpartum, typically with that initial prenatal visit. Um, screening again around 28 weeks if a woman's coming in for her gestational diabetes screen and is going to be there a while, screen her again for depression and screen her again um, in the postpartum period and do it with a validated screening tool. Don't just ask, you're doing okay, are you? But, but actually sit down and do a validated screening tool with her. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not enough just to do a screening tool either um, because so many of our moms may just be in that cusp or maybe you're screening for depression, but she's really um, struggling with anxiety. So take the time to say, hey, thank you so much for screen- filling, out, filling out this screening tool. How are you doing? How, are, how is motherhood meeting your expectations? That's my open a can of worm question right there. How is motherhood meeting your expectations? <laughs> um, but you'll be so surprised at what women will then, if they feel like they're being heard and they've got a provider that they can trust, of what, what, they'll, what they'll open up and tell you. Um, and then to utilize the, the services and the resources that are available to you through, through our program, um, through the Department of, of Health Services, through the state of Wisconsin, they've got some excellent resources as well. And, and to use our service, um, we, we want you to call um, so that we can help talk you through how to best care for these, these patients um, and, and for their babies then too. Well, where can our listeners learn more? What, what website or phone number should they reach out to should they want to make use of your services or, or learn more? Yeah. So our website is the-periscope-project.org. Or if you're just a Google Periscope project, it'll pop right up on, on a Google search. Um, and our 1-800 number um, for healthcare pro- providers and physicians is one 9049 Wonderful. Well, Dr. Wickman, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. I really enjoyed our conversation uh, and want to thank you for all the great work that you do with the Periscope Project. Thank you so much for having me. Well, this will wrap up this edition of WISMED On Call. If you like what you heard, please visit our website at www.wisconsinmedicalsociety.org and look for future episodes wherever you get your podcasts. If you have suggestions or feedback, please send an email to communications at wismed.org. Thank you all so much for listening.